I want to begin a brand new series today. I'm calling Tutti Frutti. And you say, why would you call it that? Tutti Frutti is Italian for all fruits, all fruits. And I'm going to start a series on the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits that result from walking in the Spirit. So we're going to call it Tutti Frutti. And uh, this is part one. It's going to bless us. And I want to begin reading Galatians 5, 16. And I'm going to give us a real key here today. This is so important to everything I'm going to say in the next few weeks. This is really the key verse. Paul is writing and he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, can we say that together? Walk in the Spirit and I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now, why walk in the Spirit? Verse 17 tells us. For the flesh lusts or wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit wars against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. I want to know if anybody in here has done something you didn't really want to do, something in the flesh that you knew was against the Spirit in the last five years. The rest of you are liars, and I want you to come down. Don't polish your halo too brightly today. All right, Father, thank you for your word. Bless it in the mighty name of Jesus. And help us to be a church that in all of our busyness, in all of our running to and fro, we learn to stop and spend time with you and walk in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Tell your neighbor, walk in the Spirit. I always like for you to preach a little bit. Amen. Now, I want you to know that I'm a debtor to the Holy Spirit today. I am so thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the Spirit of God. I'm thankful for the blood. The blood forgave me, but the Spirit empowered me. The blood forgave me, but the Spirit energized me. And I'm thankful for His ministry. And the Holy Spirit just won't let me get away from talking about Him to us. It must be that we need Him. It must be that we need Him. Now, I want you to notice something here today. I'm thankful for Paul being very, very honest, very autobiographical, very transparent with us. He's telling us about an inward struggle. Now, I want you to notice he talks about three things in these verses. The first one, a battle. There is a battle going on, a battle between the lower nature and the new nature, between the flesh and the spirit. And Paul tells the truth about that. There's a battle going on inside of me, and that battle is between the flesh and the spirit. So there's a battle. Can you say with me, a battle? Now, the second thing he, he mentions is a choice. Walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you walk in the spirit. So there is a choice. I'm going to tell you, you can be redeemed and go to heaven, but walk in the flesh. Christians do it all over America. That's why there's no real revival in America, because so many Christians are not walking in the Spirit. It's a choice. So can you say with me, choice? I can walk in the flesh or I can walk in the Spirit any given day. Every day is what I make it. Now here's the third thing, a result. He says, there's going to be a a reaping for what you sow. If you walk in the flesh, 
you're going to reap death. If you walk in the Spirit, you're going to reap life. And so, three things. Can you say them with me again? A battle, a choice, and a result. Now, if I'm going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit, I've got to lay the foundation by talking about the war within. Because this is the beginning of all bearing of spiritual fruit, handling successfully the war within. First of all, I want you to know something about this war. It is real. And I'm not talking today about the devil. The devil's out of the picture here. I'm talking about the flesh. I'm talking about the lower nature. I'm talking about what we inherited from Adam. The Bible says that Adam bequeathed to the entire human race a fallen nature. All right? And so I'm talking about the battle between that lower nature, that fallen nature, that part of us that gravitates towards sin and the new nature that God put within us when we got saved. And so first of all, that war is real with you and the flesh, with the Spirit of God within you and the flesh. I want you to listen to Paul's autobiographical, transparent, painfully honest confession. This is out of the Living Bible. Listen to what he says about the battle within. He says, For we naturally love to do evil, evil things that are just the opposite from the things the Holy Spirit tells us to do. And the good things we want to do when the Spirit has His way with us are just the opposite of our natural desires. So there's a battle. The Spirit of God within us wants us going due north towards heaven, towards the things of God. But that Adamic nature, that Adam nature inside of us, that fallen part of us that gravitates to sin, wants to pull us down, pull us into the dirt, pull us into defeat. And there is this battle going on. It goes on in every believer. Now he goes on and says, these two forces are constantly fighting each other to win control over us. And our wishes are never free, not ever free from their pressures. There is this battle going on. It goes on not every week, not once a week, not once a month. It goes on every single day. You think something, you say something, you do something, or you harbor an attitude about something that wants to pull you away from God. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. And Paul has just described a civil war within the believer, a contest for control. Between that lower nature we inherited from Adam and the new nature God gave to us when we got saved. And there's a battle. It's in teenagers. It's in young adults. It's in adults. It's in older adults. I've got a friend who's 88 now. I said, George, do you still battle the flesh? He said, you better believe it. I said, don't tell me that. Surely by the time you hit 80, it's over with. And he said, no, you battle the flesh at 80. You battle it at 85. You battle it at 90. As long as we are on planet earth, we're going to be dealing with the flesh the battle, the war within, between the flesh and the spirit. We might say that it's, it's, it's a boxing match. In one corner of the ring is Adam, and everything that Adam represents, there he is in the corner of the ring of your soul. And what does he represent? He represents rebellion against God, selfish independence, unbelief, doubt, and spiritual failure. All we like sheep have gone astray. 
We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not even one. Why? Because of what we inherited from Adam. Adam gave that to us. The Bible says by one man, all men died. But there's a second Adam. And by that second Adam, all men who turn to him live. And so in that corner of the ring is Adam. But in the other corner is Jesus Christ and everything that he represents. And what does Jesus represent? Victory over sin. Submission to God. Faith. Eternal life. Peace. And spiritual success. That's what Jesus represents. He is our victory. He is our strength. And he came to undo everything that Satan laid on the human race. But now the Bible is telling us that the fight is daily, the fight is real, and the fight is lifelong. Now that's not bad news, that's just real news. That's just the way that it is. That's the way it really is. Now I want you to listen to Paul's description of this battle again because this time he gets even more real. Watch this. He says, I know that I am rotten through and through so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. I love to do God's will as far as my new nature is concerned, he says. But there is something else deep within me in my lower nature that is at war with my mind. So you see how it is. My new life tells me to do right, but the old nature that is still inside me loves to sin. That's just the way that it is. This week you were tempted to think something, say something, do something, harbor an attitude that was contrary to the will of God for your life. Amen? Now then Paul, in light of all this, he cries out, understandably, in exasperation. He is just, he, he, he doesn't hardly know what to say, so here's what he comes out with. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who can free me from my slavery to the deadly lower nature? Now, if Romans 7 ended right there, that'd be a bad ending. But there is a thank God. So can everybody say with me, thank God? Because he's about to answer his own question. Who can free me from my slavery to the deadly lower nature? Then he says, thank God. Let's try it again. Thank God. Here's the answer. It has been done by Jesus Christ our Lord. He has set me free. Give the Lord a hand of praise because he really did. So he says, Jesus Christ has set me free from the tug of war, from the pull down of my lower nature. Jesus Christ has set me free. Now he's going to tell us later in the Bible that what God did with your lower nature, what he did with that Adamic nature that you inherited from Adam is he crucified that lower nature on the cross. You say, Pastor Jeff, how in the world would he do that? I don't know. But the Bible says that old evil nature, that Adamic nature that pulled me into sin, that made sin look attractive to me, that pulled me down, that lower nature, when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, it says your old man was crucified with him. And then he even uses some East Texas terminology. He says, I reckon... 
that my old man was crucified with him. And what he's saying is, I consider it done that my old man, that lower nature, God took care of it on the cross. He crucified that lower nature with Jesus. So I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to respond with, I reckon, and we're going to talk Southern just for a little bit here today. Did Jesus Christ crucify your lower nature? Are you dead indeed to sin? Are you alive unto God through Jesus? Well, I reckon too. (laughs) You can go out of here and say, in church, we said, I reckon today. Now, he's telling us that that old man was crucified with him. That we should no longer serve sin, but serve God. So he took care of the old man. He took care of that old nature, crucifying it. What do crucified people do? Well, they're on a cross. They don't do anything. They are rendered powerless. They are rendered impotent. They are rendered incapable of acting. So theologically, in God's eyes, your old nature and my old nature is crucified with Jesus on that cross, and we are to reckon it so. It's crucified, and that means it's not supposed to come down and rule us anymore. So Paul is letting us know, yeah, you're in a battle with the lower nature. You're in a battle with that Adam nature. But I want you to know, Jesus Christ crucified him. So therefore, the battle is winnable. Not only is it real, but it's winnable. Can you say with me, winnable? Winnable. The battle is winnable. Well, if Jesus has set us free from the lower nature, if that lower nature is crucified, then how come I'm dealing with him all the time? How come there is this war going on? How come I struggle still with that lower nature? I think most of us live in exactly what Paul described, that struggle. We want to please God. We want to do what is good. We want to live a holy life, be the kind of Christians he's called us to be, but we fall short so much of the time. We know we're to love people, but sometimes we don't even like them. What's that? That's flesh. We know we're not supposed to worry about things, but we lose sleep and we don't eat and we stay awake at night worrying about things anyway. We know we're to be patient and kind with others, but sometimes we just want to slap them upside the head and then repent anyway. Come on. Bad English again, but I'm going to tell you, that ain't the Holy Ghost. That's your flesh. We know our thoughts should be pure and godly, yet sometimes impurity rushes through our minds like a blast of hellish wind. And we say, where did that come from? It came from your flesh. Forget the devil. I'm putting him out of here today. I'm dealing with the flesh, that old nature that was crucified with Christ, but that we still have to deal with, and I'm going to show you how in just a moment. It's no wonder when you realize things like this that Paul cried out, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Now I've got this new nature. Now I really want to be holy. I really want to please God, but I'm in this tug of war. I'm in this battle. I fight the devil. I fight the flesh. I fight that old nature. It calls to me. Adam stands up inside of me and says, what are you doing ignoring me? You got saved? We'll see. You remember what you used to do, the way you used to live? We'll see if you're going to deny me. And Adam tries to rise up. And we struggle with that flesh. 
We struggle in rush hour traffic. We struggle in things we think, attitudes we harbor. Oh, wretched man that I am. What a terrible predicament I'm in. But he tells us that Jesus set us free. How in the world have we been set free? What did God do? What did he give us? What has he supplied us so that we really can be free and have victory over that lower nature so we don't walk in the flesh, but we walk in the Spirit and bring forth the fruits of the Spirit? Because, you know, if you don't walk in the Spirit, you're not going to produce the fruits of the Spirit. I said, if you don't walk in the Spirit, and if we don't If we don't practice what I'm going to share with you today, we won't produce the fruits of the Spirit. And so watch this. Here's how God, here's what he did for you and me. He gave us the power of the indwelling Spirit of God. I'm a debtor to the Spirit of God today. I wouldn't be standing in front of you if it were not for the Spirit of God. As I told you at the beginning, Jesus' blood forgave me. But the the Holy Spirit of God empowered me, put fire in my heart. I received my call to the ministry when the Spirit of God touched me. I got a hunger for the Word of God when the Spirit of God came upon me. Uh, The Word of God leaped out at me and came alive to me after the Holy Ghost came upon my life. I am a debtor to the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when a a rocket is going to leave NASA and launch from NASA, it's got to blast off. And it is such an amazing thing to watch. The fire comes blasting out from underneath that rocket and the smoke. And that, that, that space rocket takes off only with a huge thrust from powerful rocket fuel that gives it the power to break free from the gravitational pull of the earth. If it were not for that rocket thrust and blast and that rocket fuel, it would never leave the gravitational pull of the earth. That's what God did on the day of Pentecost. He gave the church Holy Ghost rocket fuel so that we could blast from the pull of the earth. And we need it. We need that thrust. We need that supernatural power. He gave the Holy Ghost to the church, not only for power for witnessing, but so that we can put down the lower nature and walk in the Spirit and please God in our life because we can't do it any other way. Left to ourselves, down we would go. But with God, all things are possible, and I can do all things through Him who strengthens me with that Spirit within So the answer to putting the lower nature down and having victory over that downward tug is the power of the indwelling Spirit of God. Listen to the Bible's teaching again. I'm going to read a lot of Bible to you today because I don't want you to know what I think. I want you to know what the Bible thinks. I want you to know what God thinks. Now listen to what he says in Romans 8, 4. Now we can obey God's laws if we follow after the promptings of the Holy Spirit and no longer obey the old evil nature within us. So there are promptings of the Spirit inside of you. And if we obey those, we will not obey the promptings of the evil nature. The answer is to walk in the Spirit every day. Listen to another passage from Paul. He says, So dear brothers, you have no obligations whatever to your old sinful nature. 
When Adam rises up inside of you and says, why don't you go do this? Why don't you go do that? Why don't you sin? Why don't you just go ahead and yield to the flesh? Here's what you say to Adam. You say, I have no obligation whatsoever to obey one thing you prompt me to do. You are crucified. You are dead. Why are you talking to me? I reckon you're no longer a part of my life. I reckon you have been dealt with by God. I reckon you are crucified. What are you doing trying to rise up in my life? I reckon that God took care of you, so I owe you no obligation to follow you. That's what he's saying. Man, I'll tell you, I'm going to get this CD. I don't know if y'all are liking this preaching, but I need this kind of preaching. I need to hear this. I'm going to get this CD, and I'm going to get the DVD. Now look what he goes on to say. You are under no obligation whatever to your old sinful nature to do what it begs you to do. For if you keep on following it, you will die. But if through the power of the Holy Spirit you crush it, if through the power of the Holy Spirit you crush it and its evil deeds, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So how is that lower nature subdued? How do we live a righteous life? How do we walk with God? How do we please Him? We put the lower nature down by walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. The old nature within us is defeated, not by might of flesh and not by the power of human will, but by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. This is why Paul laid out the importance of walking in the Spirit over and over again. Listen to what he wrote again. I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. He will tell you where to go and what to do. And then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to. Do you realize what he's telling us there? That the Holy Ghost has come to meddle. He's going to meddle with you. And and I'm meddling with you right now, and you think it's me, but I'm really not meddling with you. It's the Holy Spirit through the Word that's meddling with you. I'm going to tell you something. The Holy Spirit's going to meddle with you. And here's what He's saying. He's going to tell you where to go. He's going to tell you what to do. He's going to tell you where not to go, and He's going to tell you where to go. And if you will follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will see to it that the flesh is subdued in your life. I mean, the Holy Ghost is going to change you inside out. He's going to transform your life. When you said, Jesus, come into my heart, the Holy Ghost came into you, and he didn't just come in to save you and give you 911 insurance that when you die, you go to heaven. He came to change you inside out. He's going to go into rooms of your life that have been padlocked for years. Inside those rooms are hurts and pains and bad memories. And you say, Lord, I'm here, but you can't go in there. Even I don't go in there. But he says, give me that key. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to torch the lock off and I'm going in because I'm going to heal your memories and I'm going to set you free from fear and I'm going to meddle. I came to meddle. You know, we kind of like this easy Christianity, sort of Christianity light. We like bumper sticker Christianity where, yeah, I'm saying, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven someday, but I'm going to live life the way I want to. That is not Christianity. Christianity came to meddle. Christianity came to change every atom of your being inside out so that when you get stuck with a pen, you bleed Jesus. I mean, he's going to come out of your life. He's coming in and then he's coming out and he's going to shine in your eyes. He's going to come out the smile on your face. He's going to change you. And whether or not you like that, that's God's plan. You might as well buckle your seatbelt and get ready. It's coming. 
Now let's go back to the boxing match just for a minute. I mentioned that boxing match, that this fight we're in with the lower nature is like a boxing match. I don't like watching boxing. I think it's barbaric, and I, and I feel sorry for them. Half of them can't talk after they're 40. Don't know who they are. But, but I have watched enough to know this, that every boxer has a manager. He's the one that waits for the boxer in the corner of the ring when the bell rings. You see that bell ring? They've been out there boxing. You see that bell ring? He runs to the corner, and somebody comes out of nowhere, and it's the manager. He begins to minister to him. Now, I've noticed the manager does three things with that boxer every time he shows up. He speaks to him. Can you say with me, speaks to him? He speaks to him, and he cares for him, and every time he gives him a drink. So you can say, speaks, he cares, and he gives every time. Now, let me just talk to you about how he speaks to him. The manager points out the weakness of the opponent. I mean, he's immediately talking to this boxer. Here's this boxer. He's bleeding. He's out of breath. He's sweaty. And immediately, here comes the manager, and he starts talking to him. He points out the weakness of the opponent. Have you noticed his left hook is not good? You need to take advantage of that left hook. And when he swings a right, if you do this and that, you'll miss it. And, and that's one of his weaknesses. And he points out the vulnerabilities and the weaknesses of the opponent to this boxer because he's had a view that the boxer has not had in the middle of the fight. He also tells him where he himself can improve. When you get out there and you give a left, when you do that left, you're leaving your face open. You need to guard yourself a little bit better. And he gives him little tips on his own weaknesses and his own vulnerabilities. This is what the manager does. And then he encourages him, tells him he's the best. Man, you're the best. You're the man. You're the guy. We're going to walk away with this belt. You're going to get the crown. You're going to be number one. You're in there to win. He speaks positive, uplifting things over him. He doesn't say, how do I ever get hooked up with you, man? You're a loser. No, because he's invested in the victory of that boxer. He gets something out of the victory. He is there to stand with that boxer. And then you notice he not only talks to him, but he cares for him. He cleanses the wounds. He's bleeding out the eye, bleeding out the mouth, bleeding out his nose. He cleanses the wounds. He rubs the muscle. He's a very present help. He's there for the boxer. But then he always pulls out a drink and squirts him all over the face and then gives him a drink of high-energy fluid. The manager always makes certain the boxer does not dehydrate. He says, you need a drink. Here, have a drink. Let me cool you off. Let me give you a drink. You need energy. You need strength. You don't need to dehydrate out there in the middle of the fight. So notice now, he speaks to him. He's there for him, and he gives him a drink. The manager is crucial to the boxer's success. He's a major player behind the scenes, the uncelebrated yet crucial part of the boxer's victory. Now I'm going to ask you a question. If you're out there with Muhammad Ali in his younger days and you're facing the boxer of boxers, what would you think of the boxer who, when the bell rang, walked to the corner of the ring and said to the manager, I don't need you. I can do this alone, dude. I grew up on the street. I'm rough. I'm tough. I've always done it alone, and I don't need you now. What if he said, I can encourage myself, thank you. Bandage myself. I don't need a drink. 
And I'll figure out my opponent all on my own. I don't need your viewpoint. I don't need your presence and I don't need your touch. And he just sat there all by himself, bleeding, sweating, dehydrating, listening to the taunts of his enemy without any input positive. I'm going to tell you what you'd say about him. You'd say, that boy is a fool. That boy is a fool, a walking, talking fool. Because when you're in a boxing match, you need the manager. It's the same thing with you and me in our daily war with the opponent within, the carnal nature, the flesh. Hear me now. God sent the Holy Ghost to be your manager, to encourage you, to be a very present help in the hour of need. To impart wisdom into your ears. Here's how you can bring that dude down. He may look bad. He may sound bad. But let me tell you how you bring him down. You give him a left hook with the word of God. And then another right with the name of Jesus Christ. You go out there in the strength of the Holy Ghost. And you can bring him down every day. And have victory over him. The manager is in the corner. Jesus said it's to your advantage that I go away. Because I know you love me and I know you want to be with me. But if I don't go, the manager is not going to come to you. The counselor, the one called to stand alongside you. He guides you. He speaks wisdom to you. He strengthens you. He helps you. He picks you up and dusts you off and bandages you up and heals and binds up your shattered heart. He tells you, you can do it, son. You can do it, daughter. You're down, but you're not out. You can get up again and you can win this battle. He gives wisdom into our ears for the battle ahead. He gives us a drink of the living waters in the heat of the fight so that we don't dehydrate. It's no wonder. Listen, some Christians, some, some people walk in here every week. They walk in on a Sunday morning and they say, man, I'm dragging. I'm, I'm tired. I'm beat up. The devil's been after me all week long. What I want to ask is this. Did you fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit? Because if the last time you got a drink was last Sunday, no wonder you're dehydrated. No wonder you're tired. No wonder you got whooped this week by that lower nature. The manager will bandage you, bandage your wounds, bind up your heart, speak encouragement into your ears. And you know what? Maturity tells us, I need him. I need him before I step into the ring every day because every day I step into the ring. Every day, not just when the devil decides to attack you. You step into the boxing ring every day and you will when you're 88 like my friend. You step into the ring every day. You need him before you step into that ring. You need him throughout the day when you're in the ring, boxing, dodging, ducking, fighting. And you need his touch at the end of the day. Soothe your mind and soothe your spirit with the Word of God. I was listening to a man coming to church today who I really like. He's, a, he's in another city, and I get his CDs. Believe it or not, Baptist preacher. But this boy, I say boy, he's much older than me. That's pretty old. He 
he's just so good with the word. And I just want somebody to get up there and break the word open to me. I don't want a bunch of flash. I just want, give me the word. And he said, he said, I tell our people that if they have a good devotional book, that's great. Have a good devotional book. But he said, a devotional book, no matter how good it is, who it's written by, Max Lucado, Charles Swindoll, I don't care, Charles Spurgeon, it's still a step away from the word. And I want to encourage you, he said to his people, and I'll say it to you, get into the word. Say, well, pastor, I get into that thing and it's just so boring to me. You just stay with it a few minutes. It'll come alive. The reason it's boring is because you've been so far away from it. Just keep, keep, the more you read, the more you want to. The less you read, the less you want to. Okay? We need him. Now, I want to tell you a little secret. The manager must be fed. Like any manager, the manager must be fed. You got to feed the manager. Amen? And if you'll feed the manager, then the manager will take care of you. R.A. Torrey, a well-known evangelist and pastor, wrote these words. If for one moment we were to take our eyes off of Jesus Christ, if we were to neglect the daily study of the word and prayer, down we would go. We must live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit if we would have continuous victory. The life of the Spirit within us must be maintained by the study of the word and prayer you got to feed the manager. And if you feed the manager, the manager will take care of you. Paul said, let the man who feels sure of his standing today be careful he does not fall tomorrow. You can stand today and fall tomorrow depending on how you walk in the Word and in the Spirit. Every time you spend time in the Word and in prayer, it's like you went to the corner of the ring and you let the manager minister to you. If you'll do that, you'll go into the ring every time a victor. And he will speak words to you that build your faith and strengthen you. The opponent will say, you're a wimp, you're weak, I'm going to beat you. You might as well surrender. You might as well quit. Why are you so fanatical about this Christian thing? Why don't you just give up and walk in the flesh and be normal like everybody else? Then you get over into the ring and in the corner of the ring with your manager. And the manager doesn't say that to you at all. The manager says, you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. The manager says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. The manager says, not death or life or angels or principalities nor things present nor things to come shall separate you from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The manager will pick you up. The manager will pick you up. And with that, he gives you a drink from the infinite supply of the greatest energy drink in the world. It puts Gatorade and Powerade to shame. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. And he's the great energizer of every believer. And if you feed the manager the word of God in prayer, he will hold you up and you will walk in the spirit and subdue the flesh. And that leads you to bearing the fruit. And we're going to talk about that next week. Can we stand together? Go ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise if you needed this today. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've called every one of us to walk in the Spirit, but we've got to feed the manager. Now, Lord, help us just to, 
establish this habit in our life. For Lord, I know it's your will that we bring forth the fruits of the Spirit. And until we do what we talked about today, they just won't come. And so, Lord, help us to walk in the Spirit. We will walk in the Spirit. I know, Lord, you're dealing with this congregation to make this congregation mighty in spirit. Mighty in spirit. Now, as Steve comes and begins to play, I want you to take a minute and say, Lord, I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit every day. I know I'm going to have to feed the manager every day. And if I do, he'll carry me. So, Lord, help me to do it. You just take a minute and pray as Steve leads us in worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.